In goes Stewart! They've only gone and done it! And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Glover's Past from the Glover's Cast. I'm Ian and with myself and Dave tonight is the mercurial midfielder who has spent the last three seasons at Hewish Park during some of the club's most difficult times. On his day, he's been one of our most creative players capable of unlocking any defence. He also enjoyed a spell on commentary where he gained a bit of a reputation for taking pops at referees. Tonight, we will forgo rule one of the Glover's Cast, don't talk about the ref, as we welcome Lawson Diaf to the podcast. Lawson, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. A pleasure is all ours. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no we say swearing is allowed on this podcast. Yeah. So go, yeah. go for your life. Uh, okay. I'll get out now. Ah, yeah. you, won't have, you won't have Jeff Twentyman in your ears. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, we, we start uh, these episodes with uh, the first time a guest has stepped in Hewish Park, but I think we'll start a bit more recently, seeing as your name was on the list of release players this summer how did the decision to leave Hewish Park come about was it your choice the managers or it's sort of a mutual decision or time to move on um it, it may be mutual but um sort of come from their side I think really more than more than me um I did feel like maybe it was time to move on and start fresh anyway but um I don't know what I would have done if if they had an off deal I, I think I might have stayed anyway, just to try and help you ever get back up. Because I feel like that's they should be nowhere near where, where they are at the minute. Um, and it ended on such bad terms where I couldn't couldn't help the club out towards the end of the season. And yeah, I would like to have rectified it, but um, yeah, no, it just sort of come from their side. But yeah, I don't really want to go into too much about it to be honest. Um, but no, it wasn't the best. Pleased maybe. Uh, um, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, we'll just leave it there. Okay. Well, let's go back to the beginning then. February 2012. That seems a very long time ago. So G- Gary Johnson's <laughs> come back to Yeovil, brings you in on a youth flame from Reading, I think it was. And I mean, what, what yeah. was it like coming to a club at, at that point? Because um, uh, we had and, and probably still have a reputation for taking low knees on and um, do, them doing quite well. I mean, was that an attraction for you? Um, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I was buzzing when I got when I got a chance to go out and get first team football. I'd been with the first team in uh, Reading like, throughout the year, at the start of the year and first half of the season and stuff and travelled and got to experience all that. And then, yeah, find out when Gary Johnson comes to watch you play in a reserve game with his brother. Um, and then, yeah, found out they wanted to take me and, and I was just really happy to get going. I just really wanted to play first team football and, and come to a club like Yeovil. Um, I was delighted, really. Um, and when I first stepped on Hewish Park, that sort of made it all, the reality made it so good. It was a good decision. So, yeah, and I was definitely pleased. Bit of a difference from the Majeski Stadium, isn't it, Hewish Park? Yeah, no, yeah, it's different. <laughs> but I, I, was, I wasn't playing there. I was just on the bench a couple of times and travelled like, to every game um, and, and trained with the first team every, every day. But um, I just, because I had that taste, I just really wanted to go play first team football and I, the Reading were flying like um, that year, um, and I was never gonna gonna play really. Um, so it was just a decision on on from all parties really for to benefit myself. We had a bit of a scrap on our hands at that time, down towards the bottom of the league. But you know, at nineteen, you were you were thrown in. You made fourteen appearances, I think, scored a goal. That must have been a real confidence boost to you at that age to come in and help a team sort of climb away from trouble. Yeah, no, definitely, it was. Um, it was definitely a good experience, one that definitely helped me in my career. Um, Gary's a hard manager, as everyone knows. Um, uh, to have that at 19, it really, really did actually help me um, learn a lot 
and grow up really uh obviously moving away from home for the first time as well so yeah everything everything was really good and and yeah like you said like it was in the bottom three I think when I when I arrived nothing there wasn't to do it was nothing to do with me like it was the players that were already there but um it was just nice to help help my bit and help help the team get out of that out of that yeah, yeah, and, and you've obviously played under under a number of managers. Gary Johnson's got a sort of a magic aura when it comes to to Yeovil Town. What was he like to play under? Because a lot of players we've spoken to say exactly what you did about him being a tough man to please, but he he, he created a real sort of bond in the dressing room. Did you feel that when you you came in? Yeah, no, there was definitely a good bond there. Um, it was uh, I was just a young lad, so I sort of kept myself to myself really and. Obviously, was a part of the, the dressing room and that, and the lads were really good to me and they helped me out. Um, but I didn't really probably say too much at that time. I was quite quiet. Um, but yeah, no, I, I used to come off at halftime thinking, "Am I going to get it in the idea um, <laughs> from Gary?" Uh, but yeah, no, I think he always appreciated that I'd always work work my socks off for the team and um, do the extra bits, maybe off the ball that other people wouldn't. Um, I'd always put my body on the line. Yeah. You, you you scored in your second game for us, I think, at home to Colchester in a three-two win. Do you do you remember the goal? Yeah, it was just a little tapping. It fell to me nicely in the six-yard box. Um, I always seem to score that end whenever I do score. Not that it's very often. Um, I'd love to have got one at the Thatcher's end. I don't think I ever did. Uh, but um, yeah, no, I just remember it. Yeah, tapping and running off like an idiot. Uh, like I'd scored a worldie. <laughs> <laughs> they all count. Um, yeah, exactly. No, but um, yeah, no. Yeah, I remember it like yesterday. Yeah. So uh, after you left the Oval, you had, uh, it looked like your record shows quite a few loan spells, Cheltenham, Exeter, Dagenham. And then you went to Northampton and obviously won the won the title there with them in, in, in 2016. But when they then went up, you, you, you struggled to get into the squad in league. What was that? Obviously, fitness is something that's sort of marked your, your career. Was it a bit of that or was it just they brought in a lot of players or what was it? No, um, we just, uh, Chris Wilder went to Sheffield United. Oh, of course, yeah. And I played like nearly every game basically under him. Um, and then Rob Page come in and I played every game in pre-season. Um, done all right, to be fair. Um, but then for whatever reason, he just, I wasn't, an, I'm not an out, I'm, i I always see myself as a centre midfielder, but people have, because I'd played wide and 10 under Chris Wilder, I always then got perceived as that, but I, and also played wide, wide at Yeovil. Um, but I just did what I had to do to become a pro, professional footballer um, and, and get my way through into the game. Um, and Rob Page liked wingers, out and out wingers, and I was never an out and out winger. I was always um, come inside, you know, make things, try and make things happen probably wouldn't go on the outside very much um but yeah no it got to the, the I, I guess he brought his players in and and he just didn't didn't really he just uh shunted me out really um didn't really I wasn't involved in squads um so I was just working my socks off really to be ready um for when I did either get called up or 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 leave um and ended up leaving in January that year Fast forward to 2019 and in the summer and some eagle-eyed social media users spotted you in some pictures at a, a barbecue, I think, at Ham Hill. Um, how did the return to Hewish Park come about and what was it like coming into the club just literally just as we'd fallen from the Football League to the conference? Uh, yeah, no, it was um, like obviously Sally uh, obviously rang me and he, he tried to sign me a few times, but I never actually signed for him. <laughs> um Looking back, I wish I I wish I did earlier. To be honest, um, he was he was really good for me, and um, I really enjoyed working under him. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, coming down was all right because I, I obviously Lee Collins, um, Reese Murphy, uh, already knew them at the club. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anyone else. I'm just trying to think of the top. Of it. it was so long ago now. I remember yeah. anyway. Yeah, I knew a few of the lads anyway. Um, and then as soon as I obviously come down to the barbecue, it was just I settled in really quickly, to be fair, like Dicko and Naus and all them characters, Craig Alcock, like they were all led for me. Um, and yeah, just really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, you said you mentioned a few of them there. Uh, adding uh, people like Luke Wilkinson, Charlie Lee, obviously. I mean, D- Darren always spoke about characters, and it seemed like that squad gelled pretty quickly. I mean, what what was it that made it it click? Was it those characters that brought it together? Um, yeah, I think so. We had a good blend as well of experience and and youth. Um, and yeah, just just everyone knew what they were doing, and and. Darren had, and Skivo had installed a formation, um, and everyone just knew their hand. They knew they knew what they were doing. Um, I didn't. I didn't have to worry about Ruha and got on the outside of me or Craig Alcock coming around the side of me. Um, just knew it was going to happen. Whether Dicko, he might have sat back a bit, and Miles Hippolyte might have gone out there. Do you know what I mean? We just had a very good fluidity about us and work rate, attitude. Um, senior pros paving the way and, and talent, like digging people out if it needs to be done. Um, just men in general, to be fair, in the change room. Yeah, some real characters there, isn't it? You just say like Lee Collins, Luke Wilkinson, Charlie Lay, just those three. You're going to, you, you, you can't have uh, any um, poor games with them around, and Dicko as well, obviously, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. And then Chad's come in a bit later and he really, was the final jigsaw really I think in in the side like he come in and, and just held there and, and just kept it moving and and we played some really good football that year and we should and we should have got promoted really um that's probably one of the biggest regrets in, in my career but obviously COVID going in the way maybe and you can argue and stuff like that who to know who knows what would have been if if uh if that hadn't happened I think that that run just after Christmas where the results kind of went away a bit and then I think we picked up a win at Dover and then COVID hit and that was it. What was it like around the club at the time when sort of COVID came and the season was wrapped up? Like, did you know what was going on? What was the sort of situation like amongst the squad and the club? We just didn't have a clue, to be fair. We was like everyone. We was like, what's going to happen? Like, we was obviously nervous because we was just like we can't just end the season like you've got to finish it we're we're in the we're in the running but i think we had a a few wins before before covid happened i felt like as a team, as a squad we were we were like because we obviously had that dip didn't we um and and as a squad we felt like we were going to pick up we we're going to keep going sort of thing because we had a good run and had a little dip and then we we started picking up again and i just felt we felt as a squad there we were just going to keep going and going and going to the end of the season and it it normally happens like that to be honest uh, in run runnings um, I'm not saying we'd have won the league, but I, I think we'd have had a good go at it. Um, but yeah, then COVID hit and, and we just all like, yeah, just everyone was just living at home and, and just had no clue until until the National League finally come out and said, this is how it's going to be. Mm. And, and go, I mean, going on to that that playoff with the, we got through because of points per game, wasn't it? And <laughs> there was that game against um, Barnet. You'd all been sleeping at the club, I think. Is that right? All been staying at the club because of COVID? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that yeah, must have been a crazy situation. It was mental times. Um, saying obviously, yeah, that that lived me for the rest of my life as well. Like staying at the ground, and we had a really good bond together with the lads. Um, just yeah, just it was just really good. We had like a barbecue, and it just the club did good stuff for us, and we trained. We had a mini preseason camp. Worked really hard. Um, in tough weather conditions because it was really hot as well back then. Um. But yeah, no, we we did everything we could, um, and unfortunately, on the day, we just didn't come come through. No, I mean, how didn't we get something for, on that day? We we uh, again, I know they they had their chances and they took the chances, didn't they? But we we had a few ourselves. Yeah, we? no, I know we, we we had loads of chances to score, didn't we? And and that, but yeah, we just just in football sometimes you you, you batter a team and you can't score, and they got the other end and score from two two chances that that they they probably only get all, all game really. Yeah. What was it like? What was it like that sort of level of match, but there being no supporters in, in the stadium? How, how was, how do you prepare for that? Um, yeah, it was weird. Well, I, well, I'd just come back from injury, like a long-term injury that, that year. And um, so I, I missed out anyway, which I was annoyed about, but actually when I look back, um, I probably, I definitely wasn't ready to play. Um, 
but but yeah, no, I, I'd imagine it was strange for the lads because I was in the stadium obviously watching and, and it was very quiet and it, it, it must obviously I played in the games then after the season after and, and no fans and it was tough. Uh, I'm I feel like I'm the sort of player that thrives off having a crowd there and the energy and, and that and it sort of gets me going more. Um, whereas sometimes maybe I felt like I wasn't at it when through them some some of them games where uh, there was no crowd I felt like I, um, I wasn't through the lack of trying it was just it's just an instinct of feeding off of energy from the from the crowd which I'm the sort of player that I feel like my game that's how I do, that's how I play like I feed off the energy from the crowd yeah and I'd imagine that a lot of the other players are the same to be fair yeah I mean, looking at the the stats, you actually, although the season finished early, and you say you missed out um a bit bit through injury, but you you still played twenty six games, I think that that season. Which looking at the stats is uh at the the next highest was uh, two thousand fifteen sixteen when you won the league with with Northampton. I mean, was that you know just not wanting to not be part of a winning team and a team that you you said was playing some good stuff? Was that a bit of a a tonic for you that season? Uh, what sorry? What are you? Uh, yeah, so you played twenty eight games that season. Which, when you look at the the other seasons that you've played, you you hadn't played that many games for the previous five years. It was was there something yeah. about wanting to play in that 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 team, or just a bit of um, injury? No, I just I just think I had trust. Uh, well, I I just they sort of I, I missed obviously six months of football at Northampton. Mm. For when they were in women in League One, because through of not being picked, um, and then I got going at Luton when I joined in January. Um, I had to wait a little bit there because the team was doing really well and I had a good squad. And obviously, I didn't just come. Um, and I, I played, then got in the team and I done really well. Picked up a little niggle hamstring. It was only a few days. It wasn't nothing major. And then went into the playoffs that year. Done really well. And then pre-season, the next season, I I was flying again. Um, and then two days before the season started, I've, I've come in training and I've just got caught in the ground almost and I've done a high ankle ligament sprain and I was out for two months um, and then couldn't get back in the team. And then I got my chance again to get back in the team in like January, February time. And then I, 10 minutes in, had Uche and Panzo land on my on, on my body and, and done my medial knee uh, for three months. And that was my season done. Uh-huh. And I was out of contract that year. And then, just so basically back to the start of that first injury at Luton, I just feel like then on, I was always playing catch up mm. um, and I couldn't sustain enough games to get going. And then obviously got to the Oval and oh, went to MK and then I had, a, again, niggly injuries, um, left there and then come here and then, and then, and then uh, yeah, just had a, had a really good time playing every week. But then I think I actually... Because I hadn't had a full season in my belt for quite a while, I got to Christmas time and uh, I was actually for about five or six games, probably playing through a little niggle in my hip almost. Um, and I didn't realise it was actually my groin and it kept moving down and down and down. So basically I was going out to training like, to begin with. I couldn't really run. Once I warmed up, it got fine. Mm. Through training, I was fine. Same in the game couldn't really warm up but once I got going got going I was fine and I was actually playing through it for quite a while um and then Sally rested rested me uh talkie away on I think it was New Year's New Year's Day New Year's yeah. Day yeah um which I needed and was fuming at <laughs> mm-hmm. um but um I needed that and then I played the next game against Solihull at home and I did it five minutes in my groin just popped for me um but yeah, I, I look in hindsight, I probably should have took myself out of the picture for a few weeks, maybe. Um, but I thought it was going to be all right because it, I just kept playing and it, was, it wasn't getting any worse. It, do you know what I mean? Like, but then it obviously just went. Um, but yeah, no, I think it was through the... Playing so many games and playing every minute of every game near enough um, and not having that full season in the lockup previously I think that's where my body caught up and then it's just yeah just never really had that momentum really of a run of games something always 
seems to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um that that following season, the COVID season, we'll we'll never forget really, just from you know, a weird time not being able to go to games. Um the, the we struggled, didn't we, to be honest with you, that season, sixteenth in the league. Any any sort of reason you can put that down to? Um, obviously, it never, we never seem to really get going. Um, yeah, um, I think, uh, I think, yeah, a part of it was not having the fans there, but then also, I think I remember correctly, like, we had to change our back four, like, so many times that year. We never had a settled back four. Like, mm. I don't think we played the same back four for two games, all pretty much all season until it was too late. Um, and, and I just, I think that stability there, like if you keep the same back, back five throughout most of the season and then you can, you know, like tinker with your forward players or whatever, they take them in, out, in and out of form or whatever. And I just think that was the biggest, biggest thing for us. Like we couldn't keep the whole back four together fit. Um, and that just, yeah, that just was a recipe for disaster really. Yeah, especially when you have people like Lee Lee Collins and and Luke Wilson that are in and out, and then they never they were never really fit together at that time, um, and and them two were vital for us really. Yeah, I mean you mentioned Lee Collins there. Obviously that that season was the um the the point where 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 we lost him. I mean that must have been to be a player in that dressing room with a a character like that. Um, that that kind of news must have just been something. I can't even imagine what that must have been like for you. Uh, yeah, it was tough. Um, yeah. Yeah, quite bad, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. No, we won't. We, we don't want to bring We don't want to bring up bad memories. But, um, That's yeah. right. It's, um, it's not... It, it, everyone loved him, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, he was a big, big character. Good mate. Always had your back. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, okay. Mm. I think it was a moment that unified having been so apart from the players with not being able to go to games as sad as it was it was a moment that brought everyone together and sort of I don't know it kind of marked the end the end of COVID in a way because everyone came to the club and you know left their tributes and I, I, I just think back to that first game when supporters were allowed back in and I think there was a moment in the fourth minute where just the entire stadium rose to its feet, applauded, everyone stopped on the pitch. And, I, and I, as long as I live, I don't think I'll ever experience another moment like that uh, football yeah. match. It, it was unbelievable. And I think we, we, talk, we talked about it at the time, but I think what that moment and that squad gave to all the players during, uh, to all the supporters during that time will forever be like in the memories of supporters and I think as talking about Darren Sarl and the way he carried everyone through in that period as well will forever be indebted to Darren and that group for that that time as, as supporters. Yeah, no definitely um Darren was immense to be fair. Um more than the manager really. Uh yeah. a good friend, um a father figure, I'd probably glad to say. Um but yeah no he done he he held everyone together really. He was the backbone of it all. Um and yeah, all the lads come together and, and we, we got through it, to be fair. Yeah. and uh, I mean we don't we don't want to talk about too many um bad times, but obviously the, the, the end of that season it was it seemed to be everybody was putting themselves on the line. I can remember a bonkers game at Altrinum at the end of the season. You were playing fullback, I think, in, in, in that game. Um, and then obviously that final game, you, you, you suffered um, uh, another injury. I mean, it really did feel like you were putting everything on the line. Personally, your body was being put on the line. And Darren said a few times, I think, about you putting yourself in danger for the club. I mean, did you? What, why did you do that? Why did you feel like you had to do that? Um, well, I'd... I'd, I'd... Uh, partially torn my ACL in January right. uh, in training um, just just for a block tackle it was out, out, out of nothing really um, and 
the surgeon said to me that it's actually you wouldn't normally do it but it's not actually that bad so you can rehab it um yeah you can rehab it uh and then come back I believe was planning on playing for that season um but obviously everything happened uh I just felt like I wanted to be there for the lads oh. No, you're okay. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I was playing. Uh, played like, I think it was like the last five games. I didn't actually, my knee wasn't really ready to be fair. Um, but actually, funny enough, in the last game, it was probably the best I'd ever, I'd felt, I felt back to normal to be fair. I think I was playing like that as well. Um, but yeah, then, then the ball just bounced and I, went up to try and just press it and kick it away really and I think I just I don't know I just come down on one leg and maybe hit his foot I can't remember who it was um and it just sort of knocked me off balance and it just went so mm. yeah no nah. but yeah the weirdly it was it was the best I'd felt back to normal that game whereas previously before I wasn't really right to be honest um but yeah no nah, that game was weird because I'd done it so but <laughs> I, I felt I felt really good <laughs> Yeah. unfortunately yeah yeah well as Ian was saying there about players putting themselves through everything for the club that season I think you epitomized it in 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 those couple of games and the amount of times Darren said in in press conferences about you putting your body on the line it was yeah unbelievable efforts from not yourself and, and everyone in that team that season yeah and I wasn't the only player like there's there's loads of lads like Chaz always put his body on the line. Like every, everyone did, really. Um, it's just part and parcel of being a footballer. So, um, But yeah, no, I'm that type of character. Not everyone does it, I guess, but that's just who I am. And sort of the club did right by you following that and, you know, kept you around to rehab, I think, during the summer. Um, obviously, mm. later in January, you, you signed a new contract, but sort of off the pitch around that time, things really seemed to start going off the rails a little bit at, at the club and um, with regards to the ownership and uh, as players, are you able to shut that noise out or does it just sort of seep into the, the day-to-day of what's going on? Um, well, we had a good group, uh, a really good group all together. Um, so that sort of, yeah, it does, but we we were that tight knitted that it didn't really affect us to be honest. Um, and and Sally was great again. Like he brought in good lads and um, everyone got really close. The lads were terrific with me, like with my injury, and so I felt a part of it. And it, 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 people just got on with it really. Um, and we were just together. And, and I know we probably should have done better that year maybe but also at the same time had a lot of young players a lot of the experience had gone so what what Sally did that year with that team was was really good to be fair to finish where we did mm-hmm. um we probably should have kicked on better towards the end of this like February time because it sort of pitted out didn't it in the end but um but but obviously then obviously he left as well that at the end of that, near the end of that year, so um, yeah, it was a sh- it was a shame it pitted out because I feel like maybe we could have done something, um, but it just wasn't quite to be in the end. And how important was it to you to be around at that time as well for your your rehab? Because again, yeah, the managers say repeatedly about how you're always in the dressing room and you're always talking and being being you. Uh, and was that important to you to still be involved in the team, even though you weren't involved in? the playing side well yeah he really helped me he um he made me feel a part of it and he, he brought me in like and bring me into the thing and, and just talk about football and stuff like that and um and then yeah I just he just gave me the 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 go ahead really to try and be a senior player it, it helped me grow up a lot to be fair um like whereas before I'd, I'd always be loud and I'd always dig people out if they needed it or say well done or I would never really I would always talk to young players as well but I probably wouldn't have done it as much as I had done that 
injury yeah as in because you, you just you focus on yourself you know you're there for them if and you try and be there for them but you, you also got to focus on yourself a lot but whereas I, I wasn't playing so my my job was easy in the gym I was just focus on that and that's fine but that wasn't that's not that's not high pressure or anything so now I can be the one with this set of eyes as a player point of view and go and talk to people and pull young lads see if they, if they need a bit of advice or whatever or and I felt like I'd, I'd done that. I hope I wasn't too uh, too much for them. Um, but yeah, no, I, I felt like I'd, I helped them out, and um, that's and it really, I really enjoyed it. To be fair, I, it was a different side of of me that I learned about. To be fair, so uh, one thing you also learned um, was how to be a co-commentator on the radio during yeah. your recovery time we don't have a ban on swearing so n- now's the time to tell us what you really think about national league referees yeah they're fucking shite aren't they? <laughs> hey well said that man <laughs> <laughs> that really wise me up like i don't i don't really get it in this in this country like we're full time all the way down to the national league and a few teams now in national league south national league north but the referees aren't full time until like the prem, I think it is. Mm. It just doesn't make sense. If there's there's obviously that many referees that want to be referees, surely they can be training every day together and learning, and and and, and surely the FA have got the money for it to fund it. Like it does, it really doesn't make sense. Um, I don't know. It's it's baffling to me. Like you have such a good level and and pyramid of football here that it's getting neglected really by the referee side and it's not the referee fault they're, they're really um, some of them are young and but it's frustrating because there's so much on the line and and a lot of them do get it wrong especially in the national league um but, but yeah it's what it is i guess <laughs> rant over <laughs> nah, that's it you can't you carry on carry on as long as you want but yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, going back to that season, um, I mean, just listing out some of the things that happened. I mean, first of all, I suppose Terry Skiverton uh, leaves and 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 goes on to charm. I mean, he again, another legend of of, of Yeovil Town. I mean, what kind of an impact did he have on your career? Because I imagine you probably saw him a couple of times, didn't you, when he was in your earlier spell as well? Oh, massive! Yeah, um, obviously, he was there as a coach when when I first come on loan. Um, and would all, and help me out. To be fair, he was, he was a bit more. Um, I don't know. What's the word? He had a bit more. I don't know. More bands with the lads, maybe, mm. in the first time I was there. And then the next time I come, he still had that banter because it's tell and he's funny as anything. Um, but he was a bit more, maybe more. Um, what's the word? Maybe more professional, you could say, mm. but without sounding that like he wasn't professional do you know what I mean like yeah um he just maybe a bit more reserved in the group he would still come in and have his little banter and be tired as as far as um like working and and stuff like that um I just felt like yeah he grew as a coach and, and now he's gone on to just go and do better things higher up up the level and, and whatever and um but I, I think one maybe one day I'll come back as a manager again. I reckon. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he wants to do it, but hopefully yeah. he does. Mr. Yeah, well it, I know I know one man who'd love him to come back and that's Ian. He, he'd <laughs> yeah. have him back in a heartbeat. Yeah. Nah he's Still. a legend um on and off the field. Yeah absolutely so, so then going back down the list, Charlie Lee comes back as assistant and then Darren obviously goes to, to Woking when you've, you've spoken a few times already about Darren and what, what he did. What was the reaction amongst the players there? Presumably he told you before it was all announced, but was it a bit of a surprise? Um, yeah, I didn't see it coming then, to be fair. Um, I didn't know anything about it and he, he pulled, pulled five of us or six of us senior lads in. And just said he this is that was his last game and yeah, I was just shocked really. Uh mm. gutted because really liked working for him. Um but yeah, no, just yeah, shocked and but understandable as well. Uh I think he would have stayed if he'd have been offered a new deal, but I don't know if he was. Um 
so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really uh, know what went on behind the scenes, but um, yeah, it's just shame really because uh, he's a top manager, I think. Yeah, well, you only have to look at what he's gone on to do with Woking uh, this yeah. season to see what he can do with the right level of support. Mm-hmm. Definitely, oh, definitely. Of course, after that, Charlie Lee steps up as yeah. manager, sort of by default. Um, how was he to work with as a, as a coach and a manager? Presumably didn't come in thinking, I'm going to be in charge come April or March time. Yeah, no, he, he come in and he was class, to be fair. Obviously, a bit awkward because we'd be shared a dressing room. Some of us shared a dressing room with him, like calling him mate and that. And then all of a sudden called him gaffer. He's like, nah, you can't call me gaffer. Um <laughs> But uh, he was really good to work for. Um, but I was playing good football. Um, but, and, and yeah, he should probably have been given a chance. He wanted the job um, full time. And who knows, maybe if he'd have got it, I don't know what would happen. But um, obviously, he'd have been, it was, he's inexperienced, obviously. So it's a big gamble. Um, but, but I feel like in that, short time that he was there he showed, showed enough qualities to be be a good manager and um maybe one day he'll he'll come back and, and maybe get a chance but um hopefully he does does pursue management at some point i know he's living nicely in australia at the minute um so yeah uh he was just yeah he was really good to work with um i actually went and knocked on his door one one after one game i got dragged off at barnet I was playing mid wide midfield and I just wasn't comfortable. Like just I was just yeah, wasn't comfortable. And I was like, Chaz, Chaz, you can't or Gaffer or whatever I called him at the time. I don't know what I can't remember what he'd like to be called. Um and I was like, nah, when I play midfield, centre mid, I just you know I'm not a winger, like I'm just out of my depth, like I come inside too much. You're moaning at me for being out of position or that. And he was like, Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Actually, funny enough, he was going to play centre mid next game, but now you're not playing at all. Oh, <laughs> wow. But then I come in the following game. I think he rang uh, Gaffer Sali and he was like, I can't, you never guess what. I think Lawson's coming. To, Lawson's coming, try and tell me I'm a centre mid. I think, no, I played with him for two, <laughs> three years. <laughs> I know exactly. Nah, yeah. but he, that's what I mean. He already had the, he still made me feel like I was good enough and stuff like that and, and he, so he already had the the man management side of it do you know what I mean so uh, at age, such a young age to be a manager so yeah he's definitely got a future if he if he if he wants to yeah and then obviously last game of the season Charlie told he's he, he not in the in the frame for the job and and he's gone mm. Josh Staunton and Scott Wickens uh, yeah. final game of the season at Oldham. I mean you, you couldn't make that stuff up could you yeah, no, it was, it was crazy, really. Um, but fair play to Chaz, to be yeah. honest. He, he had every right. He, oh, absolutely. He's done a lot for the club, played, managed. Like, really, he should have been told after if he wasn't going to get it. So he could have seen it out and maybe it not looked, I don't know if it looked bad from the fans' point of view, but he also had every right, to be honest. So it wasn't bad at all. Um, I think most people would have done the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that game was eventful to say the least. Uh, there's a lot going on. Thought Granny was going to come on on the field at one point. Um, pitch. Obviously, Storms, yeah, Storms managing and, and stuff like that. But that just showed the character in the dressing room, you know. Um, we come through and we get a result away there and, and played quite well, to be fair, and with no, no manager and no staff, no staff at all, really. Um, Apart from Scott Wickens, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and obviously, yeah. So, but yeah, no, it was, it was good. It was good fun. It's good to be involved in it. Something, something new that you've not done before. So, yeah, everything mm-hmm. seems to happen at Yeovil. To be fair, something you've not done before. <laughs> Never a quiet moment. Never a quiet end, moment. As if the end of that season wasn't uneventful. Um, through the summer, there's all the. Uh, selling of the land Stuart Robbins gets appointed to the board and then Chris Hargreaves comes in as manager what what were your thoughts on the appointment of Chris I mean some of the supporters I'd say were probably pretty underwhelmed with the the appointment given that we'd heard there were you know x number of x EFL managers in the frame and um it became apparent pretty quickly that he was operating with his hands tied behind his back what was he like to to work under 
yeah no I had a, a really good relationship with him um since the first day he spoke to me on the phone I was I was really excited uh really excited to play for him to be fair um had a few other options and I just no, I wanted to stay and and um really yeah like just it just felt really enthusiastic about the way he wanted to work and the way he talks and obviously I knew he'd had a very good career like a mate of mine uh had played with him um started to find out information about him but um yeah and no, I was just actually excited um I don't know what actually happened uh in the end really because I thought we had a really good base of the team um that was good enough to, to push to be honest um and I don't know. I think there was a lack of communication or, or thing with the maybe with the chairman and, and him himself to do with money that was um, going to be able to be spent. Um, maybe he was prom. I think maybe he was promised things that he didn't get, um, and it sort of backfired. Maybe within the recruitment side of it. Um, so yeah, no, nah, it was just it was just it was actually it was just, I really enjoyed working under him to be honest. It just we couldn't get the results. We kept drawing. We had really bad luck to be honest. We were winning a few games, quite a few games. If we'd have won them, we'd have been miles at the table. Um, we had, people didn't like the way we played, but I thought we played it really well. Um, I know there was games maybe where we wasn't quite at it, but that's always the case. It was just the lack of goals I think everyone was frustrated with. Um, and as that went on, the team lacked confidence then. And, and we then wasn't... I thought we were creating quite a lot of chances to be got in the first however many games of the season. Um, and as we didn't keep getting the win, and the confidence went down and we, we struggled to then create anything. And and people moan, yeah, I know some of the strikers missing chances, but and then they also put them away at certain times as well. And then we, as a team, lacked creation through confidence. And then because we had too many draws, obviously what happened happened. But a bit of better luck, maybe. Um, and I know it's a bad thing to say in football, but there was times where we had bad luck where the ball would ricochet in off, off a defender and go in and it'd be we'd be one nil up or two one up and it'd be two all or whatever um but yeah no nah, it's just it's frustrating really because I felt like we was in a really good place we just couldn't turn them wins them draws into wins that we'd um, we'd have been top six I think if we had them yeah, I mean, you say uh, people weren't pleased with the way they play. I think we said it on a number of occasions that there was actually some really nice football being played and you could see, you could almost see what was trying to be done there. But like you say, it just wasn't. And those marginal gains are always going to be the the difficult the difficult um, bit to, to get in football, aren't they? And they make all the... Um, all, all of the difference, but it, it definitely felt like... I mean, Ian, I'm right. No, it's saying that we... A yeah, few yeah. times we spoke about... I think back we to the, the Wrexham that. game, the Wrexham yeah. game at home. and Yeah, we, we played, played off the off park. The park. Yeah. Uh, Chesterfield off the park. Yeah. Um, we played a number of the teams off the park, really. It was just, I don't know, just didn't just didn't go our way. And, and that's how seasons go. And then it just the confidence, I think, just then went down a peg or two. Um, and it, yeah, it just that's how it goes. Football's like that, I guess. And I think, Chris came across as like a really nice guy as well. And I think the attitude amongst some supporters that was maybe he was too nice. I don't know. Maybe you can dispel that myth of, you know, amongst the, the dressing room. Was he, you know? He, no, he, I don't think he was too nice. I think no. he had a good, he had a good man management. Um, he liked to work hard. He believed working hard and putting the hours in would get results um and if if we needed a rollicking he would he would go and do it it wasn't wasn't that it was too hard I just uh it wasn't that it was too nice it was just it just didn't click like it just mm. we just didn't get the we had we considered crap goals that, that like I said earlier like it was yeah. just that and then confidence just went and then it's sometimes it's too hard when you're chasing like you just you can't get it back and maybe that's just how football is and then that's why we changed manager like it was Unfortunate, but that was the case, and unfortunately. 
Yeah, and and obviously things didn't improve for for, for Chris. Mark Cooper comes in. I mean, what changes did you notice when when he arrived? Because there was a a marked improvement in results at least um sort of up up until around Christmas time. Yeah, uh, no, he was really good. Um, he's he's to be fair, he's he's, he's a top top coach. Um, the way he plays football, um, his total football um, is the way he coaches it. The detail he coaches it, and um, it's very very good. Um, yeah, the results improved, and then I don't know. It was just yeah, just. I don't know. It was weird. Like we we brought in players, and and to be honest, with you I know the results then died down a little bit, and then we tried. But we brought in a, a lot of players, and we had to gel. Then we finally got gel in, and then we had like four injuries. I think it was in the crunch time when we'd beaten Eastley. Went through that. Do you know what I mean? We went for that little run, and and um, Steve O got injured. I got injured, Morgs got injured, whoever else got injured, Staunch was basically playing injured. Like it was just, you know what I mean? It was it was just it just all happened at the wrong time. And if we'd had everyone fit, maybe who knows what happened and we'd probably stayed up, but um you, you lose that that them big players then then it's always gonna be tough, I think, especially when yeah, we've got Jordan Moore Taylor was playing injured. That Jordan Moore Taylor, McGuire, JMD yeah. was playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, JMD was playing injured. Um, so do you know what I mean? Like it was just there was just Jordan Maguire drew, drew sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Moore Taylor plays with him at Exeter. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, yeah, Jordan Maguire drew. Um, my apologies, Jordan. Um, but yeah, no, he was playing injured. So you're asking. A man of his caliber to to play injured and and hold. He's a very good player and and struggled at certain times for him and and yeah, like you said, you take that them as four out of the, the equation and and it's there's quite a big chunk missing then all of a sudden, um, and it's just hard to get results. Yeah, and I think that sort of all tied in with off the pitch. There was you know the the new stewardship, although not in charge came in what was the feeling initially among the players when that happened you know that the takeover's gone through and the or the takeover's going through and the future's looking bright yeah um i mean we can talk about what happened afterwards but initially there was was, uh (laughs) there was a lot going behind the scenes to be honest um it was it was a bit like a circus to be honest and 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 you say like about off off the thing field stuff not affecting you. I think it did, uh, and it's not an excuse because um, we get paid to play football and, and that's it. But it did have an effect on the squad. Um, they was coming into the the train changing room at, a lot of times, and it's just not normal in football. That to be honest, um, coming to the training ground and it's fine I get it it's new and it's fresh but it was just a, a big distraction that we didn't need um, and we knew there was a rift going on between the manager uh, and them um, we knew we were going to sign we were trying to sign players on deadline day the gaffer was trying to sign players we knew of the players um, they turned them down um, so yeah, uh, this is very annoying. Um, it was getting on everyone's, you know, um, but, um, it was a bit weird. It was, it was a bit, it was a bit like, I don't know, it was, it was just carnage. It was, I almost want to say it was a bit like they wanted us to get relegated. Um, and that's a big statement, I know, but. And it, it probably isn't true. He's probably just a young man, got excited or whatever. But it was just frustrating, um, especially when you got so many people there that know about football. Especially Mark Cooper, who's so experienced, and and that, and um, it just, it just didn't make sense. It didn't add up. No, I mean, I think- publicly, the first statement was, you know, we're a thousand percent behind Mark. 
as manager and then within a few days it <laughs> almost becomes yeah, apparent and that's he's, not the case. And he was tweeting stuff like Weymouth going down and stuff like that. And we we're in our own relegation battle. Like it's just it's just things you don't do and um tweeting about everything. Like it's just it's just so unprofessional and it just causes more pressure on you to, as as a, as a club. Um pressure that we didn't need because we was already under pressure. So um yeah no it's a Maybe, maybe it was a big, big reason of of why we went down in the end, because it was just everyone was pulling in different directions, and and you just didn't need that at that time, and he needed to give us, and everyone has won, and the other way really, um, which we had had so many times before, even when we knew we wasn't, we knew we wasn't getting anything from Scott Prisnell, but we knew we had each other together, uh, and that was better off. Whether it was he was pumping loads of money and this new guy and we just didn't know what we were getting and we just didn't know where we were going and, and almost it dragged every people separately. Um, so it had a it had a bad effect, which it shouldn't have done. It should have had the best effect. It should have been should have been everyone should have been buzzing. Everyone should have just been ready to crack on and everyone working together and, and trying to get through to the end of the season and staying up, but. For some reason or whatever, it, it just wasn't that that way. Yeah, and and there were obviously, well, I say there were rumblings to begin with, and then it sort of broke out into the open. It became completely obvious, although nobody ever said it outright. The new players that came in, there were obviously like three or four that that came in who were obviously brought in by the new ownership, and it, it became quite clear they weren't Mark Cooper's players. I mean, as a as a group, whether with them or without them. Did you have those conversations about uh, how to sort of how they should handle themselves around the club, or how you were going to handle them? It must have been a really weird situation to have that rift in a dressing room that, as you said, up until that point, had been really close together. Yeah, it, it was. It was strange. Um, you sign, sign a, a kid, two kids, mm-hmm. really. Um, make them out to be like. They're unbelievable, really. Um, but they've they've not played really. One's played, not played at this level, really. Um, and the other one hadn't played first team football. Uh, so you're asking them to then become a man like instantly in a relegation battle. Um, and that's that's harsh on them, like more than anything. Um, and then we had obviously the other two lads come in, and they wasn't fit. Um, so, I mean, what do you, what do you expect? Like it takes, I know how it takes, how long it takes to get back fit, playing at your best. It probably takes a good four or five games, to be honest, maybe six. Depends on on how well you've looked after yourself whilst you're injured on how, how quick you can try and get back to be fit. But it takes a minimum of three games, I think, to sort of get back near and then to get to your very best, it's seven or eight consistent games um and we didn't have that long left so uh i just yeah just it's just it was baffling really um baffling because we needed a certain type of player that in that window um we didn't get it yeah and i think you know mark cooper pointed that out quite publicly to the point that you know um matt felt the need to go onto social media and list a load of players and their wages and <laughs> calling out the manager and stuff like that. What, what goes through like your head when you see all that stuff? I mean, just totally unprecedented in football for that sort of level of detail to find its way into the public domain. Well, it just doesn't happen, does it? And like, it's just another distraction for the lads. Like every it's it, obviously it got put in our group like WhatsApp group of what the hell is going on like you can't be doing that like um it's ridiculous and um yeah it just all added up because it, it was there was other things like I said like tweeting Weymouth that you're going down or whatever and and, and tweeting players and that and promising the world and and saying playing to the fans and getting them on side through Twitter and stuff like that. And a lot of fans were buying into it. Um, 
we're not stupid. Obviously, we're seeing this guy tweet and obviously then we're looking at what's going on. And it was just frustrating because we all knew inside the club what was happening and everyone was, a lot of people were buying into it. And it was just, it was frustrating because it was, it wasn't the case really. It, we didn't feel like it was the case. And, and, but obviously we were trying our hardest and that wasn't an excuse. Like we got relegated because we wasn't good enough at the end of the day. Um, but it didn't help. No. And we've um on, when when we're recording this, we've we've just seen the trailer for the the documentary from Liam McGuinn that's been produced, and you're 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 on there giving your uh, your your thoughts in the dressing room. I mean, how hard was it to, for you to be on the sideline seeing the, the performances that you were seeing, knowing what was at stake and not being able to be be involved? I mean, that must have been a tough time. Yeah, it was um, yeah, it was tough. Um... It was just, it just sort of for me like the bare minimum is is working your socks off and and that, and no matter what, not giving up and, and stuff like that. And I just felt like that day we lacked that um, for whatever reason. Um, I don't think it, it was obvious. It wasn't every game. Obviously, it was just that game. I think it was probably to do with the outside of the club as well. But um, it was just yeah frustrating for me because no matter what's going on at the end of the day, we're there to play football and. and we're there to, to give our all as as professionals. Um, and I know for a while fact, if I was on that field, I would have done that because um, that's just how I play. Um, and it was just frustrating. It's just annoying to see that because that, that's not what you want to see. Um, and it needed to be said, I think. Um, so, yeah, I was just, my heart was pumping that day and I was very annoyed, yeah. Um, yeah. As a yeah, just as a, as a player, um, as a fellow professional, that was just that was something I didn't really, really want to see. Yeah, I, I think every fan would have agreed with everything, every word. I know a lot of them were bleeped out, but whatever you said, I think we <laughs> we all would have agreed. As Yeovil fans, we don't expect our players. You know, we're realistic enough. We don't expect our players to be the the, the greatest players in the world. But the least that we expect is for them to put a shift in and and, and give everything they've got. And there were a number who did that. Um, there, but there were an awful lot that didn't, I think, uh, towards the end of this season. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's just, it's just strange, yes. So, um, people needed to realise, I think, in the change room that, look, we're in it here um, and you need to get sort of going regardless of what's going on, I think. And, and hopefully that helped a little bit. I think it wasn't anything to do with me, but hopefully that little bit just helped people give them a kick up the ear. The arse and, and yeah, but obviously to be in the end. You pulled up with that injury at, uh, against Halifax on a, a rotter of a pitch. Um, did you, at that moment, did you feel that that was a, a bad one and that was probably your season done or did you think you'd be able to get back in and influence things? Nah, I, I sort of felt like that it would be my season done. Um, it was just, yeah, just, just annoying really because... If you watch it back, I've watched it back obviously, and I'm full sprinting back on the on the counter, and I just get to the rubbish part of the pitch, the sand, and and it just I've, there I'm were lots different. of rubbish parts on that pitch, weren't there? I lots know, of rubbish but parts. I was really enjoying that game as well as to begin with, and um, but yeah, just looking back, and I, I just, I'm not quick enough to pull my hamstring, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just yeah I caught in the sand and I just see your leg my leg just sort of, sort of gives way a little bit like or struggles to run through it and it just goes and it's one of them things really yeah and then obviously just before the the final game of the season yeah the players and staff have got have gone unpaid and then and then relegation as well I mean at, at that point you know <laughs> what's going on amongst the squad when when all of that happens all seems to come uh, a, a perfect storm almost. Yeah, it was just all coming in the same time, really. It was a bit, uh, like, yeah, just obviously, obviously we're worrying about not getting relegated and then we get that and then you're just like, then you're worrying about your your financial stability and stuff like that. And as it is, it's natural. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a worrying time. Um, but then we was glad to obviously... Uh, see Helia take over because um, 
I know there's been a lot said and stuff, but I, I think he generally cares about the club and and it will back the club all the way through. I think, um, and I think he's he's one of the Oval fans. He's one of the Oval, um, and I think he'll I think he'll do well. I think he'll 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 give the club what they need and 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 look after it. And I'm sure he'll just give it his best shot no matter what and what will be will be at the end of the day. Yeah, well, he's managed to persuade some of your old teammates to pick up paintbrushes and paint rollers and do yeah, some stuff. So, exactly. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, fingers crossed. We, we've gone past that dark cloud of what was before and can move on. Yeah, the, and it looks, it looks, sounds like there's there's good vibes now at the club and, and stuff like that. And, and that's what you need. You need everyone pulling the same direction on one page togetherness fans now coming back hopefully to the ground because they don't you you do realize because you you've been there and and, but as a player's point of view you don't actually realize how much when that crowd gets going how much your energy levels go up even more and and you you will us on like um it's a beautiful place to be to be fair when when the crowd's loud and and we're playing well and, and uh yeah you just you feel unstoppable really as a player. So we, we, we obviously began at the point of you being on the retained and released um, list. You're moving on. I mean, what is the future for Lawson Diaz now uh, in a post-Yoval town world? Uh, I'm not sure really yet. Um, just, yeah, just working on, in the gym at the minute and getting fit. I've just been on holiday for a week. Um, but I've been in the gym previously and, and in the gym again this week. Um yeah, just in the gym, uh, waiting for my agent to bring bring me some news. Um, but what will be will be at the end of the day. Um, yeah, just wait and see. Who knows? Yeah, but obviously you you want you want to keep on playing. Goes without saying, I suppose. Is do you, do you see a a point where you want to be a, a coach or go into any of that kind of stuff? Or um, I'm not sure. You know, uh, football's it's a hard industry. Uh, takes a lot of value. Yeah. Um, don't know if I want to try something fresh and new and and go out go at that. Um, but it's a decision I'll make in the in the right time. I'm just not convinced yet. Um, I might explore other avenues, um, but but yeah, I'm not sure. You've I'm, dabbled in radio. I can't say. Huh? You've dabbled in radio. To be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Go to radio. <laughs> yeah. If they pay me well enough. <laughs> what Charlie Sheridan is coming for your job? <laughs> yeah, no, it was um, it was good fun with Sheridan on 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 uh, on the radio. Um, she she done a really good job, and I really enjoyed working with her. To be fair, um, she was class to be around, and and made me feel at ease. And hopefully, I I did the same with her. So, yeah, she certainly speaks highly. <laughs> uh, nah, she's second... a lovely girl. Uh, our second to last question comes from a fan. Uh, Josh Staunton has asked us uh, to name the ugliest member of the current squad, in your opinion. <laughs> Will Buse. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He's just he's just in and he's getting that already, right? Okay. And it just because he doesn't smile. He never seems to smile in any photos. He just looks a bit like a fan, doesn't he? <laughs> Right, there you go. That, no that, that's, that's written him off. Yeah, we won't say that. Just, uh, just, just <laughs> wait off. Um, so, I mean, the last question that we always ask, um, uh, it's, it's strange to call you a former player now, but former players uh, of Yeovil Town is, um, uh, what would be your message? There's lots of supporters obviously listening to this. What would be your message to Yeovil Town supporters as you, uh, as you depart? Um, thank you for, for being there for me um, through injuries. Everyone was supportive. Um, thank you for coming to support us, me and the team, every week. Um, yeah, and just, just you've been a pleasure to play for, and and I feel like I've fed fed off off the fans really well. And um, I'm gonna miss the place, to be fair. So, uh, yeah, now nah, thank you for having me. Well, I think we'd say thank you for, for having us as well, and uh, I'm sure you'll 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 never have to. Uh, uh, buy a drink in Yeovil again if you uh, if you do come back. We'll uh, <laughs> Ian, Ian will buy you a drink, won't you? Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Cheers, <bro. laughs> yeah.
Thank you very much for joining us, Lawson. Really appreciate your uh, your time this evening and your honesty about everything that's going on in your time at Yeovil. Um, massive thank you and thank you for putting your body on the line for the club. I think it genuinely is so appreciated by supporters of, of Yeovil Town. So thank you. No, it means a lot. Thank you very much. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott.